0: Before we get into this episode, I just want to say a big thank you to our supporters, Festival Republic. You've probably spent a weekend in a field with them at some point. They put on some of the UK's best known festivals. They're also leading when it comes to sustainability. This year, they're collaborating with Music Declares Emergency to transition their event power to grid energy and are displaying the carbon footprint of the food on sale. They've already switched single-use plastic bottles to those made from recycled materials, brought in deposit return schemes for cups and are zero waste to landfill. They're actively engaged in greening the music industry through Vision 2025, a body bringing outdoor events and climate goals together. Sounds Like a Plan is all about ideas and solutions, so it made sense to me to team up with one of the most proactive festival organisers out there. One of their main events is the truly unique Electric Picnic Festival, Ireland's largest gathering of music and arts. It takes place at Stradbally Hall Island from the 2nd to the 4th of September 2022. Weekend and day tickets are sold out, but keep an eye on Ticketmaster for any return tickets which become available. So big up Festival Public for their support and their essential work. They say their job is to preserve the live music experience for generations to come, and that is something we can all get behind. Hello and welcome to Sounds Like a Plan, a podcast all about how the music world is taking action in the climate crisis. I'm Greg Cochrane, I'm a journalist and podcaster.
1: And I'm Faye Milton, a musician, producer and co-founder of Music Declares Emergency.
0: We've got something special for you this time on the podcast. Our guest is the Norwegian singer and songwriter Aurora, we think one of the most brilliant voices on climate in the music world.
1: Yes, we meet up with Aurora to talk about her relationship to nature, the need to make climate activism sexy, and the kind of greener, cleaner, fairer world that she hopes to see in 10 years' time.
0: Yes, we can't wait for you to hear our chat. And before we wrap up, we'll also leave you with some recommendations.
1: So let's get into the podcast.
0: Thanks to everyone who got in touch after our most recent episode with Max Richter and Yulia Marr talking about their carbon negative recording studio that they've recently opened in the what sounded like very beautiful surroundings of the Oxfordshire countryside. Great to talk about recording spaces and how they relate to this theme of music and climate and sustainability. The first time we've done that, I really, really enjoyed it. But welcome to this episode. I think we're both very excited to share the conversation we've recorded with our guest this week week, Faye. We'll do that in just a moment. But super quickly, something which feels kind of significant because it's popped up on our podcast a few times, particularly during this series, Faye, is that since last time we spoke, there's been a significant result in the Australian national election with a new prime minister there, Anthony Albanese, vowing to take the country in a new direction, particularly on climate, where traditionally they've really lagged behind for, for a long time. The green and independent candidates who, um, who are promising really strong climate action have performed really well in that election. And the reason I wanted to mention it is because we, we had Jake Taylor on the podcast quite recently from In Hearts Wake who was talking about this subject and uh, we've also had Heidi Lempfer um, on the podcast, an amazing um, Australian musician and activist in, in, in the past and people can scroll back and find those in our archive. But um, Faye I guess it's just nice to share something that's a little bit hopeful on the kind of theme of climate and and politics that we we don't get to do that so often, do we?
1: No, a few and far between actually, but it's certainly worth celebrating. It's, you know, this, um, he's come in with absolutely climate first policies. Loads of people in Australia, including Green Music Australia, have been campaigning, um, not to vote specifically for him but for people to think about climate issues when they're voting so it's a huge win i mean it really really is and it's really great to see that in australia because their politics there have been really um uh, i think stressing a lot of people out for a while you know especially in the music industry and the creative industries and and people who care about climate it's not been it's not been a great scene over there so it's So positive to see that. And then it's also those things really kind of make you realise that we can see change here Mm. as well and in the States and in all of these places. So, um, so yeah, great news. And I feel like we played a small part in it by partnering with (laughs) Green Music Australia on the No Music on a Dead Planet campaign. There was... Uh, Tame Parlor and Pond and Jimmy Barnes and the Avalanches and a, a massive host of Australian artists who got involved in the No Music on Dead Planet campaign and it made the news over there so I basically feel like I influenced the election. I'm feel, feeling pretty good about that.
0: Faye, you, you were the difference i think you were the difference of getting it over the line congratulations that's, to you that's true <laughs> um yeah no it's brilliant and we and we wanted to mention it because we have welcomed on some really um fantastic australian musicians onto the podcast we've got listeners in australia we've got other musicians doing great work in australia and all brilliant organizations there as well so we just wanted to mention that quickly and, and start things on a encouraging and hopeful note um So here's a rare thing, Faye. We got to meet up in person with our guest this time on the podcast. Um, We've posted some photos on our Instagram at Sounds Like a Plan podcast if you want to check those out. But back in late April, it was our pleasure to meet up with the Norwegian singer, songwriter, activist, dancer, producer, advocate and general leading voice on the subject of music, climate and the environment, Aurora. Faye, I've got two questions for you. You've met Aurora before, right? What were your impressions of her then? And also, what were your memories of the day that we met up with her?
1: I think Aurora's magic. She just has this magic quality to her that it lifts you as soon as she walks in the room. So it's, yeah, a huge pleasure to have met her a few times. And it was really great to sit down and actually have a conversation about all the things we're we're both working around together, but actually really dig into it and, and talk about things deeply. So I love this conversation. I just thought it was so enjoyable. Um <laughs> there's a depth and a lightheartedness to everything she says that I I really resonate with. I think that's um it's it's a great way of being in in a in a space that's so, you know, terrifying and stressful and all of the things that climate change can feel mm. like. It's amazing to have voices in that space who are light light of spirit and um really positive and but really thoughtful and really moving as well at the same time so Yeah, I think she's a wonderful speaker and I was really pleased to talk to her for
0: this. Yeah, and I'm sure that almost everybody listening to this will be familiar with Aurora's work. She obviously broke through with her track Runaway back in sort of 2014, 2015. Just the 418 million views on that on YouTube (laughs) now, by the way. She's enormously successful. She released her most recent album, The Gods We Can Touch, in January 2022. Do go and check that out. And in terms of using her platform, as Faye just said, she's very vocal on lots of topics um, and supporting different causes. For example, the day that we caught up with her, she was speaking alongside Brian Eno, that guy (laughs) again, former guest on this podcast, um, and the artist Love Sega. She was talking about climate action in music at the Green Events and Innovations Conference in London. Um, I should say a big thank you to the team there for helping us find a space to record this. It was an excellent event that day, packed with loads of inspiring talks and workshops. I felt... Very encouraged and hopeful and uplifted leaving that day. But we should get straight into this because people will want to hear from Aurora, someone we've wanted on the podcast since the very beginning. Do let us know what you make of this conversation. You can comment below wherever you're listening to this, rate and review us as well, or let us know on Instagram. This is Aurora on Sounds Like a Plan. Welcome to Sounds Like a Plan, Aurora. We've wanted to have you on the podcast ever since we started, so it's a real pleasure to finally um, catch up with you.
2: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) You've often spoke about your deep connection with all things nature and wildlife, Mm. the natural environment and Mother Earth. And I wondered if you'd start by telling us a little bit about your surroundings growing up and how that informed that deep relationship that would go on to grow.
2: Well, I, I think it certainly helps to grow up uh, next to nature, the way I did, because I I grew up in the middle of it, very untouched by people. I I grew up um, experiencing how perfectly divine nature just is in itself uh, when when people stay away. <laughs> uh, and I think um, I don't know. I I learned quite early that the world wasn't always so. Um, suitable for me, or I had friends at school and I enjoyed, Mm. I guess, being at school, but I I never found peace there and I always felt very out of place and very nervous and anxious and um, nature did the opposite Mm. to me it did, um, it mended every wound and it calmed down every every ounce of stress within me, so I guess nature is was and is my 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 best companion and friend is very yeah very important
0: yeah now that you've started to tour again like the world's opening up you know obviously um, following the pandemic and so you're back out playing concerts and things like that when you get home and you've got your suitcase you drop it down on your bedroom floor where's the first place you think of to go and get some fresh air, some sort of peace of mind. Is there a particularly special place for
2: you? Oh Well, well now, sadly, I live in the city now, uh, which I hate. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I I have incorporated a lot of nature within my house. So Mm. there's a lot of plants and there's a lot of imaginary that kind of, what do you call it when it's an illusion of nature on the inside? Yes, yes. So I'm trying to make my own small oasis within my home Mm. because I do much prefer nature without the people. Because whenever mm-hmm. I know that I might meet even one person on on a hike, it kind of ruins the experience for me because it's also very much the absence of people that makes nature, to me, very important when it comes to reconnecting with, with my source, mm-hmm. you know, when, with my inner source. But um, yeah, so I, I, I stay inside um, with or the nature I've brought within my home. Um, But if I have enough time, I usually jump on a boat, Mm -hmm. and I sit on the boat for two hours, and then the boat takes me to a small place with huge mountains and hills and waterfalls. It's never completely quiet there, because you're always um, accompanied by the waterfall. And it's amazing, because it's so massive, but still such a natural behind kind of noise, which Mm. no noise that comes from people or the world we live Mm -hmm. in now is like that, Mm. like nature can be so loud, but it still offers so much space for you to make your own noise. I don't know, oh, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. But yes, at home, or I I go somewhere and I become more myself than I I remembered I could ever be, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's so important. Mm. Like now, I'm in, a, I'm in an exceptionally good mood today, as <laughs> you can see. And when I, w- <laughs> yeah. when I told you about how I'm, how I'm feeling today, I told you that it feels like I'm in love. Because I just came home two days ago from one of these journeys where I mm. went out to the mountains and just experienced myself within mm. nature alone. And it fills my soul in the most amazing way. And it's for free, and it's there. Mm. And it's just waiting for you to find it and it's just the most wonderful beautiful offer yeah so I'm Mm. I'm filled up
0: yeah I think people connect with that sense don't they like what do people say you go out into nature and recharge your batteries (laughs) and it's like your expression about like filling your soul it's Mm. almost like you need that to to step back into the mechanical world to operate otherwise you sort of like can just endlessly feel exhausted
1: yeah definitely and Mm. I um I really identify with that thing of you're perfectly happy in nature and then you spot another human and suddenly like <laughs> the energy completely changes instead mm. of being when you're in nature alone it's almost like you don't exist it is you're just part of things and as soon as there's another person you're suddenly a persona and you've got this human to human thing to think about and mm. leg- navigate and all of that stuff
2: and i think it's it's um, it really changes the dynamic because what mother earth has perfected through all her many, many, many years of existing, <laughs> um, is, to, is how to simply coexist with everything. And that's uh, an art humankind certainly haven't perfected yet, how to just coexist with each other. And I think that, for me, is the biggest change when you meet another a person in nature, that mm. suddenly there's an element that reminds you of the fail art of coexisting together here, yeah. uh, which is a bit sad. But also, I guess, nice yeah. to meet, you know, obviously people are often kind, but you know what I mean, <laughs> introverts, <laughs> unite. <Yeah. Ooh. laughs>
0: yeah. You use the expression Mother Earth there, which is something I've heard you say before. Like, what's your relationship like with her at the moment? Is it, is it kind of, oh, you know, we just talked about the local and like how when you're at home, what you do to, to kind of immerse yourself in nature. The bigger global picture, how, do you, how are you feeling at the moment about Mother Earth and her health?
2: I always have hope and whenever I answer a, any question about how I feel about Mother Earth's current state and the world and everything, I, I always answer that I, I'm very hopeful because people are at least acting, people are mm. thinking, trying to learn uh, and even if it's a trend, at least it's a trend that does something good. Mm. So I have a lot of hope but I also feel the, the sense of emergency um which which kind of hangs over your shoulders like a like a heavy blanket um which is very sad, mm. and especially when you look at the world and um you see like always the people who are mostly affected by the the this horrible emergency of global warming is again the people who have done the least to deserve to be affected in such inhumane and catastrophical ways it's it's really heartbreaking because um, there's always the ways of of the world mm. um, and the people who should change and who are doing the most damage are again you know um, unaffected and it's a it's a very interesting thing that it's always like that and it's um it's really it really uh, prevents i think the world from going as quickly as it could have gone in the mm-hmm. right direction but but I'm feeling hopeful and I'm I'm longing t- towards mother earth more than ever and even just meeting people around the world when I travel that understands her like I feel I understand her so at least I can connect to her through the conversations I have with people, mm. which is very inspiring and important. Yeah, because if everything goes to hell, this music career, <laughs> I quit school when I was 16, I have nothing else to do. And you never know how long you can do. Yeah, no. But I, I always know that if I can just live somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and have a farm, or do, you know, just... I don't know, there's always... A place to go and to be really happy because nature offers so much happiness and i just love that it's such a safety blanket you mm-hmm. can always fall back on yeah. and because Definitely. you can always find incredible happiness amongst nature
1: that's great and something that struck me when you were talking at the start about growing up and you didn't feel like you fit in i think there's a lot of people especially post pandemic who are feeling very lonely very isolated very um separate um would you recommend really diving into nature as a way to feel just to get a breather from it maybe or to feel connected to something bigger than you know the next person or
2: yes definitely mm. and going on um i feel independence going on a journey or a little adventure on your own either travel somewhere or rent a bicycle do something that you don't usually do and do it alone and learn how to know yourself in new spaces where people haven't already put you in a box. Mm. Mm. Learn to reconnect with yourself also in a place where you can grow in a completely free and uncharacteristic or Mm. spontaneous way because we are being put in these boxes way too much by the people around us and the world seems to forget quite often how diverse we are and how much we can be everything Mm. we possibly want and it's... um, and I think that's the biggest thing: being alone, being on my own, and in nature. Teaches me that I I realize how large I am as a as a, as a being mm. in myself. You know, and it's very it's very lovely. I really really recommend it. And listen to some music, or bring a book, even. Just that's a friend. Like music and books can always be a friend. Mm-hmm. And then just go somewhere and learn yourself again it's so important <laughs> and mm. it's so nice
0: mm. i mean you, you've spoken often in the past about your kind of interest in in this area the you know in the environment climate you know you're well known for that Faye and i both saw you speak in glasgow at the cop 26 summit you actually appeared on a panel with Faye up there which was a great great talk i wondered how um you found that experience of being there in glasgow for that event if you got to meet some people that you found inspiring and, and what you took away from that experience I met oh, you. To meet Jay, yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: And and That's she's so very nice. oh, a very inspiring woman. And it was um it's been amazing because we've met a few times also mm. since then and it's very nice to gain new friends and, and also now you, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> <thanks>. Um <laughs> within this world where we yeah. understand each other and mm. it gives you hope rather than uh, making you upset <laughs> with how far we are from But we are getting closer, so Mm. yes, Yes. keep. I'm keeping hopeful. (laughs) No, no, it's been. It was. It was wonderful. I. I never expected COP26 to be any event to kind of change the world Mm. or to because that's we're quite far from reaching into the core of the problem. But we are inspiring all the people that we need to bring into the team. I feel like we need to go through a big process of making activism really sexy again because it's so sexy. It's the sexiest thing in the world to care. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And it's our purpose definitely as a humankind. If you're wondering why you're here on this world, <laughs> it's definitely to care about every every single thing. But yes, it was inspiring. It was just a whole day, a beautiful day of meeting people that were lovely, that cared, that did Big projects, small projects, all equally important and contributing to this beautiful battle we are engaging in. And it was just the best day. I felt like a dog, like an excited (laughs) dog (laughs) who just had a whole day where you met amazing people who cared and you Mm. regained faith in humanity. For me, it Mm. was very much like that. Um, And every single person I looked at and shook hands with inspired me. I Mm. loved every single soul I saw that day and it was amazing but i feel like it's um yeah that's what that's what we need to do first now is to kind of invite people in especially the people who doesn't understand mm. the language that we use when we talk about this mm. that doesn't connect with how the world how our politicians talk about global warming to inspire all of us to kind of join in more with open arms rather than with anger. Yeah, oh, no, inspiring. I, mm. I love it. <laughs> mm.
0: Do you think, um, you mentioned activism there, like obviously the, the sort of youth activism movement around the climate issue gained so much traction in like 2019 and, and, and in the years since. Do you think that's the single thing that will create the biggest changes if we all try and basically elevate the voices of those, of activists, people that are really knowledgeable on this subject and really... Um, invigorated and passionate and and can can make that change? Are we listening well, are we being directed by the wrong people right now?
2: It depends because I I feel like some people's task is to simply inspire, to talk about something in a way that especially young people understand and connect with so Mm. they grow up with a completely different view of life and how to behave and how to be better than our parents or Mm. ancestors Um, and it's a very important part of of this whole thing. Um, But I feel like every every single person has their own task. And what I hope is that nobody gets lost into thinking that we have to ever be led by one person to do something important, that we can all lead ourselves. We can all do big and small things, try our best. We don't all have to be Greta Thunberg. Mm. We can all just be, you know, because the world was destroyed by individuals one by one who threw all that plastic in the ocean, who drove their cars and, um, you know, we it's all done by individuals and it can all be fixed by individuals. It actually can only be fixed by individuals, because there's no magic invention or machine that can go and fix everything. We have to pick up all the plastic ourselves from the... Be- like, we have to do a lot of the things with our own hands and with our own personal choices. And to me, that's the biggest, most important key thing with global emergency. The only way is that we all contribute as individuals by changing the way we live and just mm. try to live more aware and respectful mm-hmm. like we should, like we're meant to do mm. and not just be here on this planet, reckless and careless for our our, our surroundings and the species. It's, it's, it's so terrible the way we've been we've behaved for so many years as a species is heartbreaking Um so it's kind of about saving the soul of humankind like who are we if we are ruining everything we touch but yeah the power of the individual the more the people know that the power lies at with the people the more we can do and i guess yeah demanding change because if we all stop buying stuff from h and M, I i guess you know we have a lot of things to fix first people are starving people are poor before you know because it's expensive often to live more uh, in tune with nature sadly and um, so i know there's a lot of steps we have to do before it's easy for everyone to change the way they live mm. it's not as simple always mm. but do what you can that's the mm. biggest thing i think
0: yeah absolutely and how do you feel we're talking a moment about like your your creativity and how this is you know, it's appeared in your in your art uh, throughout the years. But how do you feel just as like a young citizen about the issue, as in like you've inherited this, like you'd call it a heartbreaking kind of situation? Like, you know, as a young citizen, how do you feel about the fact that you've kind of been handed this this situation? And, and it's kind of like, oh, okay, so we've got to deal with it or, or you know, we're part of the generations that have got to deal with it. Does mm-hmm. that feel unfair to you?
2: I don't know the world unfair. I think people... I believe, at least, that you know, people often change too late. We don't. It's very in our nature to realize something is wrong before, almost before it's too late to save it or to change it. It's sadly, um, it seems to be sadly um, a huge part of the mm-hmm. way we live. Mm-hmm. That we're just made like that. We 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 often don't see the problem before it's too late, and I guess. We are lucky because we didn't go through or a lot of people in the in in the Western world at least, but that's another issue I won't hop into today <laughs> but um we 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 didn't have to live through wars we and um, women are much safer now it's mm. legal to be gay in way more countries so there's a lot of things I'm grateful that the people before us have fought for the way they've fought for the underdogs. Mm-hmm. Of the world and the way we can um, live off of that now and c- continue to fight. So I don't feel like it's unfair. I feel like it's sad and ridiculous and very stupid. But I don't feel like it's unfair because there's a lot of things um, the people before us have fought for that I'm really grateful for today. That I I am a very example of you know that I can enjoy mm-hmm. the battles they've fought before us. Mm-hmm. And people have been fighting for the environment too for years. Mm. And we're just continuing. It's not something that started now. Activism has existed in this world for a long, long time. I don't know. It's a very complicated question. But I I understand. And if I choose to be angry, and if I choose to make a wall between like us and them, I feel like that also contributes to some kind of problem that we don't really need. It takes away the focus from something that we can create that is uniting and good and something we can only accomplish as a team so I feel like the, for me at least it's better to just be understanding and figure out how to communicate this problem to everyone in a way that includes everyone and that engages everyone because mm-hmm. we all need to be told things in, in different words to really understand what's going on Mm
1: -hmm. i think that's why musicians can be so powerful in communicating not just this but all sorts of different issues to their audiences because you understand your audiences and by the very nature of it they've come to you because they like your voice they like what you say they like your words so there's a unique position in which you can communicate ideas to people who are their ears are already open for what you're going to say but even even so it can be quite a um, a difficult task because art is, lives in one place and then reality kind of lives in a slightly different place sometimes. And those two things are very close together for some artists and very far apart for some artists. So do you find that this talking, speaking with your audience about nature and these kind of issues works well with your art or do you have to keep it in a different place in your mind, do you think? Well, I
2: think it works well. I think mm. it comes very natural. But it also comes from a place where I'm also figuring things out myself. I don't claim to know it all. And I'm still, you know, it's hard to really find your own opinion of, of, on things. Because the world means so much about everything. And it pushes you so hard to mean something about everything. Yeah. And sometimes I'm, I just want to say that, why do we all have to mean something about everything? Do we all have to mean anything about everything all the time <laughs> all of us on um, like is it is that really necessary you know but still when it comes to like the the, the important uh, building blocks of our of our world
1: and <laughs> mm. uh, i guess it's a different cause but you know what i mean it's a very it's a very huge thing and um, sometimes i get so exhausted of having to have an opinion and i think i just don't need to have an opinion on everything.
2: yeah that's good <laughs> i think that often and i ju- yeah. and i choose my things and when I don't know, I say, "Well, I don't know enough about this yet to mm. know what I mean." And I'll answer you in a year. You know it's it's okay to search and figure out and do wrong and then try again, because I think that um, for me, it's made it much easier to get involved with things, with political matters because mm. I'm not afraid to, oh, to regret or learn or change because mm. that's the fun part, you know. But yes, it comes natural to talk mm. about the things I care about, but in a in an open way because um, you need to talk about things in a way with respect, like you're not preaching to people because obviously you aren't. And it, you only want to inspire, or maybe even it's for myself. I talk about it and I see, I don't, I don't know, but it comes very natural to me. Mm.
0: It's something we've talked about so often on the podcast It's like, an artist can be interested in this area, but not want to express that in their art. And, mm. and conversely, for for others, it's about this sort of journey to finding a way to express it really directly in their art because they feel like almost nothing else matters. Mm. um And it, both things are obviously completely okay. Mm. And it's it's just um, I feel like more and more artists are maybe having that dialogue with themselves and like kind of you know having mm. an internal conversation of being like, can I write about this issue? And there are some artists that would say. I I I can't write a song about the climate crisis. It doesn't come naturally. or I I can't find the words. And for others, it's just, yes, of course, it comes naturally.
2: Yeah, but it's a very interesting thing. But I hope that people just do what feels natural because there's always, you know, people need to hear so many different things. Mm. And whatever you choose to write about or do in this world, you are in some way important.
1: Mm. Mm, Completely. And even if you say you do like a really pumping, upbeat pop song, then that's like maybe an activist puts that on, enjoys that music. It it kind of pumps them up for their day and like helps them carry on to have a bit of escapism and Mm. enjoyment through that rather than this like endless trudge. (laughs) Because then the song
2: becomes like nature. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which is um, also important. Yeah,
0: (laughs) you mentioned the the sort of activism earlier. Have you been on any demonstrations? Have you been kind of uh, is that something you're keen to do in the future or, or not your scene, or
2: no, I've been to many, uh, I've been to many uh, demonstrations, m- mostly like, um, yeah, a lot of environmental, a lot of feminist, a lot of pride. What do you call it in English? Pride, um, we call it trains, we like we w- walk in a train, mm-hmm. but oh, like, yeah, parades, par- parade. yes, yeah, yes. um, and l- a lot of like anti meddling with the Middle East because mm. <laughs> that's horrible. Yeah. Then uh, yeah, it's a uh, yeah, but that's uh, again another really big topic. Um, but uh, I've gone to a lot. I really like the energy around them. Um, but with the years, it's getting more and more d- difficult because I'm being more and more overwhelmed by the anxiety of being around so many people. Mm. <laughs> so it kind of it's not the same for me anymore as it used to be, but I've done a lot of it in my life because it used to really inspire me, but now it makes me a bit more stressed. So I've figured out that my part is um, now to do Mm. something else (laughs) completely.
1: I used to be so drawn to protests and demonstrations, just loving the energy of just saying no to things that aren't right. And just people coming together, all the talks that people do are so inspiring, just like... Just the energy around all of those people coming together to want a better place or, you know, whatever the issue is.
0: I wondered how you felt like because you've been somebody who's been really involved in this and um, engaged with this issue the last for a number of years. Presumably you've kind of been invited to more and more events. You're speaking to more and more artists, uh, meeting others within the community. Does it feel... um, yeah, how has how that felt? Does it feel like you're part of a growing community of people that care about this in within music?
2: Yeah, it does. And it's been, yeah, I've been, I've really noticed a change because I, I think I, from in 2012, when I released, or someone, I don't know who released one of my songs on the internet, um, that kind of started this whole uh, journey. Um <laughs> I remember already then talking about nature and the way I feel about it, and kind of being looked upon, especially in Norway, as like, okay, she's like a hippie, and, and like, okay, she's that kind of person, mm. uh, which devalued my words and the mm. emergency I felt they had, and also the depth mm. and and strength and spirituality, the, my words to me, and and what they symbolized in how I feel about you know humankind and 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 the world and nature and it was very weird and I felt like there was little openness back then around this topic and it was really strange Mm. and now it's so much simpler it's a language people understand way more than before Mm. and I find it so inspiring and it's my favorite thing maybe about my journey as an artist or no as a being that coexists with other people, that um, I really noticed the the open-mindedness around this topic has grown. And it's the most exciting to me when it grows outside the borders, like beyond the hippies, mm. beyond the artists. My favorite thing is to talk to more to people who I know are a part of the problem and see what they think and mm. discuss and try to affect people outside of my mm. my circle, yeah. if that makes outside sense. Outside of the yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's what I've been doing the last two years more, to talk, to engage more with the, uh, the people I feel we need to recruit mm. rather mm. than people who are already apart.
0: Yeah.
2: <gasps> I have a hole in my... St- Stockings, my toe just, it just came burst out, through. and I, <gasps> I was terrified. <laughs> Help me! <laughs> so cold.
0: Who are those people? Who are those people in your life? Like just people you encounter whilst you're doing, going about your life, or are they friends and family? Those people that you've that are sort of not within the existing kind of bubble, if that makes sense. Well,
2: outside from every single person I meet, <laughs> I always end up talking about this. Yeah. I guess big. Companies, I'm talking a lot to because I've been um there's this boat company called Hurtirútten in Norway, which is horrible. They they've been traveling around the coast of Norway with tourists with this um, big is horrible it like ship, and it, yeah, and it's it's horrible. And I've been talking a lot to them, wondering when they're gonna make a change. Mm. An exciting change is actually happening, mm. okay. which is about time because Norway has so much money, mm. so they mm. should be able to, or I know maybe it sounds naive, because obviously I know nothing about anything of that, but it should be easier to make important changes. Um, mm. oh, it's so disappointing, but yes. So like uh, talking to also companies and talking to people that just do something completely different, mm. Uh, mm. and you see it already. The, um, I talk to a lot of people who own hotels, <laughs> <laughs> because i'm 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 trying to figure out what hotels can do what they're actually doing and who is doing that and more mm. Mm. so learning more about how the real world actually is and what is a comp- you know what i can expect and what i should expect mm. from because i spend so much of my time in hotels mm. and i so it's important thing for me to actually uh, to learn and put pressure on the places i stay with my band and support with money um, because I live in a suitcase or in a hotel (laughs) all the time, but yeah, I think it's like that.
0: Yeah, it's great that you kind of reach across. No, 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 it doesn't. It's actually very practical what you're describing. Yeah, Yeah.
2: but it's like, um, yeah, small things that makes me, it makes me more excited to talk to people that doesn't Mm. understand yet.
0: (laughs) A lot of the time, like in music, artists are making music that reflects the times that we live in. And right now, if you're writing about the climate, you'd be writing about the situation in a certain way. But I wondered if, to put your kind of like optimistic hat on and if you imagine yourself writing songs in 10 years time, what kind of world would you like to be writing songs about?
2: I think I would like to, uh, to write about a world that I would feel comfortable leaving. Because oh. <laughs> now I'm, I'm not comfortable leaving this earth yet because I know mm. there are so many things undone and unfinished and untold and unfixed. Um, so I would like to be able to write about the world that would be comfortable to leave. And also the people who rule the world now, that somehow have been chosen by the people. Uh, but then again, our options aren't always that great. <laughs> I I don't trust any of those hands to carry mm. the world through. So I hope in 10 years time, at least the people who we choose as our leaders have capable and warm and understanding hands that I would feel comfortable leaving this earth to and I already feel very inspired by the younger generations and you know the way that they will live and and teach their kids because whatever happens nature will never die, maybe our species die and the only planet with a intellectual life suddenly has um Um, no intellectual life unless the IQ of the world kind of grows without us Mm -hmm. here maybe Mm -hmm. the mother earth is much cleverer than we could ever imagine but um, I don't know what kind of world it's hard to think too far ahead Mm. because there's so much in the now to write about first but at least I hope that we see that the things we did now the things people sacrificed their lives for people who protect the forests and they sacrifice their own lives Mm. in certain situations to protect what's left of this sacred earth and i hope that we'll see in 10 years time that the small and big things we did helped and we see progress and then the only thing that makes sense is to keep going and keep doing the same keep improving and getting better keep pushing and demanding change, and then promise ourselves as a human, as, you know, in our own humankind, to never return to these old tracks of old ways of life, to never ruin something so perfect uh, again, where well, I hope so. So it's the only thing I ask for. It's just that we'll see a bit of change, and that we see that it's working, and that we we have to just continue. Mm -hmm. And maybe one day, it will seem like we have relearned or finally mastered the art of (laughs) coexisting.
0: Thank you again to Aurora for coming onto the podcast. I certainly felt a little bit in awe of her speaking to her that day. It's absolutely brilliant. And Faye, fair to say you're a fan and that you left that conversation with, with, with lots to think about, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: definitely. And there are so many amazing quotes that you could just pull out and, mm. and highlight as well. I mean, Aurora saying it's about saving the soul of humankind. That's powerful. And mm. it's it's positive as well. It makes me feel like, okay, we we appreciate ourselves. We want to save ourselves. You know, it's, it's getting out of that cycle of self-flagellation for all the terrible things that we've done. It's like, no, we can do this. Let's... Mm let's save humankind.
0: I had quite a few sort of serious takeaways from this, but I've just literally just WhatsApped you at one of the <laughs> photos from, from that day of recording and I've got it right here. <laughs> I just absolutely love it. Aurora is so much fun. Just before, before we talk about some of those serious points, she's a lot of fun. She's really charming. At that moment where her toe popped out of her sock, <laughs> let's call that toe gate. But that sort of typified sort of Aurora's just sort of um, Yeah, just just sort of like you say, light-hearted spirit, just like just fun to be around. And so yeah, like you say, so many kind of quotable moments, just things that really kind of stuck with us from from that conversation. She's such a great descriptor and advocate for the advantages of spending time with yourself outdoors, as as she says, like right at the top there. I thought that was really moving. Aurora is such a big voice in this area, but so quietly spoken, and I think that sort of sticks with me that she doesn't shout. You kind of have to really tune into what she's Mm. saying because she kind of has this sort of subtle way of delivering her points. But when you're really listening, you're like, she is one of the very, very best at speaking on this issue, I think. Do you agree?
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think one of the things she said that we don't all have to be Greta Thunberg, meaning Mm. we don't all have to communicate in that way. That's obviously a really powerful thing that that Greta's done. She's changed the world, but it's it, that's not a good fit for everyone. So you can be yeah. yourself in that space and communicate it in the way that that works for you. And there's no one right way of doing it.
0: Aurora is a great example of somebody doing the work within their sphere of influence because, you know, she's a supporter of um, organisations like Earth Percent, but on the flip side, she says she's kind of, you know, she's travelling around the world a lot, obviously, to perform concerts now that sort of touring has resumed and she stays in a lot of hotels and she'd mentioned that she, she'll have conversations with the hotels and the companies that she works with and things like that and you know I guess she's just kind of getting mm-hmm. involved and there's there's something absolutely to be said for that that was that was great to hear and I liked what when she started talking about activism and she was like saying that activism needs a bit of a sort of uh, to be reframed it needs to be sexy yeah. again which I thought was great she was like there's nothing sexier than somebody yeah. who cares and I was like you're absolutely cool. right and yeah and so that that was that was brilliant to hear and it feels like the kind of momentum around some of that in-person activity has kind of obviously been halted by the pandemic and things like that but i wonder if it might sort of resume soon and and whether the kind of momentum there mm. will build again I'm, I'm not sure talking of the kind of quotables from aurora as well there were two things that i just wrote down when i was listening back to it that i absolutely mm. love a sort of couple of closing comments from her, things to, that sort of stuck with me and maybe we'll stick with listeners as as they leave this conversation but Aurora said, I hope in 10 years that we will see the small and big things that we did helped and that we see progress, which I thought Mm. was lovely, kind of like trying to imagine ourselves in that future and just knowing that what we are doing is making a difference or has made a difference, because it can often feel like it never does. (laughs) And also a thoughtful answer to that question around like, what kind of world do you want to be making music about in a decade's time? She said, I would like to be writing about a world that I would feel comfortable leaving because right now I don't feel comfortable leaving Mm. Earth yet. Um, because there are so many things unfixed it's just mm. it's great she she speaks in poetry doesn't absolutely. she <laughs> you just take that away yeah. and you just think absolutely and you kind of like very quietly very subtly kind of feel that sort of fire and energy and mm. sort of conducting out of Aurora and that's why so many people relate to her and so many fans feel very close to her I think so it's absolutely brilliant we hope you loved hearing that conversation with Aurora it was a real pleasure to meet up with her that day to record it um like say you can go and check out some of the photos from that on a Sounds Like a Plan podcast on Instagram. And do tell a friend. Go and tell a friend if you know somebody else that likes Aurora and uh, and go and check out that powerful conversation. Faye, before we finish, we should leave uh, listeners with some recommendations. Have you got something you want to shout out this week? I
1: do, I do. And I I have to sort of caveat it a little bit because I I haven't watched TED Talks for years. I used to watch them religiously. And there's an amazing one that I'd like to recommend, which is uh, Gabrielle Walker, when she's talking about carbon removal, which is something that, I felt was like maybe a bit pie in the sky it's a bit this kind of thinking that we can fit cause a huge problem and then fix it by this kind of imaginary method of carbon removal but there's actually some really interesting and promising technology in that area um, obviously technology including trees and sea kelp and stuff like that so man-made technology and, and natural technology but her talk is brilliant it's Really joyful, it's really positive, and it makes you feel like we can do this.
0: Excellent, cool. And as always, we will post links to the recommendations we mentioned in the show notes below wherever you are listening to this. Faye, before I get into my recommendation, did you see the cover of Greta Thunberg's forthcoming book is Ed Hawkins Climate Stripes, who was recent guest on oh, Sounds brilliant. like a pan. That's a that's that's a big deal. So that's that's not necessarily a recommendation, but I've seen it all over the internet the last kind of twenty-four hours and um and that was great to see if that sounds of interest do go back and listen to professor ed hawkins on sounds like a plan really prominent climate scientist but also a collaborator with lots of people in the art and music world my recommendation this time also is on a kind of Ted Tip. I was really lucky the other day to be at the podcast show, uh, which was in London, celebrating lots of different podcasts. And I'd like to shout out London's Climate Curious podcast. They've been doing it for a couple of years. And it's a podcast that describes itself as one for those who are bored, scared or confused by climate. And it's hosted by Marian Pasha and Ben Hurst. Every episode takes a sort of intersectional approach and dives into topics like eco-anxiety the role of cities in sustainability nutrition all sorts of illuminating topics and approaches and if you're tight on time they also have a mini series which is called climate quickies so wherever you're listening to this now if you get out your phone or unless you're driving or if it's safe to do that (laughs) get out your phone and give climate curious a follow because it's a really great podcast so thank you very much for joining us on this episode of sounds like a plan we are always so happy to have you with us and thanks again to aurora one more episode to go in this run i can't quite believe it but we will see you next time on sounds like a plan Thanks for streaming this episode of Sounds Like a Plan. Faye Milton was your host, along with me, Greg Cochran. This podcast is made by New Allotment. You can find more about them at newallotment.com. And this episode was edited by Tim Cochran, with more info at timothycochran.com. Our theme music was created by lightandthunder.com, and the artwork is by Stuart Stubbs. Until the next time we're together, thanks for listening.